Hello and welcome to the United on Wheels podcast. I'm your host, Paul Amadeus Lane. You're listening to United on Wheels, the web's best podcast for active wheelchair users. Visit our website, www.unitedspinal.org. Follow United Spinal Association on Facebook. Connect with United Spinal on Twitter via United Spinal. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening and viewing this podcast. We really, really appreciate having you. On behalf of the United Spinal Association, we thank you and we welcome you. We hope that you and your family are staying safe uh, during these times. For some of our members who are out there in the Southern California, Northern California, Oregon, the West Coast, we've been affected by these fires. Uh, So please, we pray for your safety and we hope, we hope all is staying well. And especially with this air quality, be very, very careful. All right. On our show today, we are going to talk about complex rehab technology. You may be familiar with that term, especially if you're in the the medical field, the rehab field, insurance field, you know what that term is. But what about us who are wheelchair users, whether power wheelchair users, manual wheelchair users, what does that term mean? What it really means that when we have our wheelchairs, any devices that we may need to help us to enhance our independence uh, when it comes to uh, the different features we can have on our wheelchairs, seat elevator, elevators, um, even shower chairs, all these different things that we need really to be independent or to really enhance our quality of life. Now, I am not an expert on this, but our next guest is, so let's bring her on without any further delay. I am so excited right now to have with me complex rehab tech expert, Allie Ingersoll. Allie, how are you, my dear? I'm well. How are you out in the West Coast? I am doing fantastic. How are you out in the East Coast? It fall is coming. It's getting a little chillier, so not psyched for that. You know what? I'm I'm kind of weird. I'm looking forward to not the fall, but just it, you know, cooling down a little bit. I know out here in Southern California, we're not that far from the fire, so the air quality is like was like 115. Oh. Um, oh gosh, I read about that yesterday. And then some of my friends up north in Northern California, their, their air quality is 185. So I'm like, as a quad, you know how my lungs are doing. <laughs> oh my gosh. You've got to barricade yourself inside. I know. And that's even being inside too. You know, it's like just, uh, you know, the ventilation system and everything. So it, it, it attacks yeah. That's one other thing we have to deal with being quads, right? That's horrible. Yes. One of the many, <laughs> many Secondary complications. Absolutely. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to the United on Wheels uh, podcast. Honored to have you to talk about this very important subject of, of complex rehab technology and your stories. But before we really get into the meat of this discussion, why don't you give us a little background about you? I tried to do it a little bit before I brought you on, 
But why don't you fill in the gaps as far as your story and and, and what led you to be a, a power wheelchair user? Yeah, I have a little bit of a wacky lifestyle. I was injured in 2010 in a shallow water diving accident at my home in the Bahamas, leaving me a C6 quadriplegic with paralyzed from the chest down with paralyzed little paws, I call them. And um, prior to that, I spent my life pretty much growing up around the world in boarding school with a bunch of nuns um, teaching me discipline and work ethic. (laughs) And um, I was working in politics in my 20s. And I decided to quit my job and learn how to become a day trader. And I moved back down to our home in the Bahamas, where I was living there for about a year, um, studying diligently, 12 hours a day. And when I came to the completion of my course, I was celebrating a little tiki hut bar. Um, It's about an island, a cat island. It's a very out island, about 300 miles off the uh, coast of Miami. And I took a shallow water dive and I hit sand. And I was one of those really fortunate people to not pass out. That would have been bad because no one around me knew CPR or how to direct my own medical care. And so once they brought me up from the water, I was very aware that I had broken my neck because I'd done a lot of wilderness survival trainings around the world. Um, So we had to direct my medical care for about 22 hours until we reached the coast of Miami, which was a wall of thunderstorms at the time. And I remember thinking to myself, all right, you know, you've got this kid. And I woke up from surgery and my dad said, kid, you broke your body, not your brain, get to work. So I've been very fortunate with an incredible family, huge support system, which I'm, I'm very well aware a lot of people don't have. And they just kept pushing me to do more, work harder. Um, and so I never went through a really traumatic period in the beginning. It was always survival. So I spent, um, I'm one of those unfortunate quads where I spent about six years in the hospital straight um, for, oh gosh, um, pressure sores, cervical cancer, multiple spinal surgeries from arachnoid cysts ascending upwards, you name it, it probably happened to me. And I moved to China um, several years after my accident for a surgery that I had, um, I had a arachnoid cyst right here and it was moving upwards, but no surgeon in the United States would touch me unless I started to lose function and respiratory ability. Well, I started to lose respiratory ability and my dad being a brilliant man flew around the world and found that the Chinese had really perfected this decompression surgery and dealing with arachnoid cysts. So we popped over to China And fortunately, I speak the language because I had lived there in my teens and 20s, gallivanting around the world, getting in all kinds of trouble. So we didn't have that much of a challenge with the language barrier. I just had to learn Chinese, neurosurgery Chinese. And so they saved my life. They did mess me up medically in other directions. But when I finally got back to Raleigh, um, I moved to Raleigh in 2015 to be near our family and my sister, because as a quadriplegic, as you know, anywhere Anywhere you can be that's closest to an emergency contact is actually a great idea um, in case, you know, challenges with caregivers and so forth and, um, um, you know, anything else in the family. So it wasn't until I would say 2015 that I really started to become an advocate in the community and starting to fight with insurance companies on constantly being denied medically necessary equipment and really getting to know my community in the spinal cord injury Facebook world and meeting a lot of people locally. 
And it really wasn't until 2000, October 2015 where I developed a stage four pressure sore. And it was down to my tailbone. And I had four different wound doctors. And they all couldn't figure out why I wasn't healing. And so I fired them. And I found a plastic surgeon. And he said to me, he goes, oh, you were born with an extra vertebrae in your tailbone. I said, Real, oh, in your, um, in your uh, spinal cord. I said, interesting. Okay. So what do we do? And he said, we're going to do something called a coxagectomy. And that's basically where they slice you open and they shave, they shave down your tailbone a little bit. And the surgery was great, but that it failed miserably because the surgeon forgot to put in a drainage tube. So I kind of bled back into my body. So there's another like four months of my life gone. And at that point, I was dating a nice young gentleman. Uh, it was the first time I'd date, dated in five years or so. It took me a very long time to jump off that bridge. And we broke up because I was going through a pressure sore. He had, you know, mental challenges. He was opening a business. And I just got this giant wound vacuum on my butt. If you don't know what that is, it's, it's literally like you put foam, you stuff it inside the wound, and you put a vacuum seal on it. And you have a little box attached to your butt like a tail. <laughs> so, you know, I had the super pubic catheter, and then I had my little tail attached. And I decided to go on. Uh, I said, okay, I'm going to have major surgery and do a flap surgery to fix this baby once and for all. But I'm going to be in bed the better part of the full year. So I said, if I'm going to have the surgery, I'm going to go out with a bang and I'm going to spend my last few months dating because I couldn't think of anything about to better, um, anything else better to do. And I was still working and meditating and I was speaking with some people in the community. But because of my online dating experiment and because of um, my pressure sore, it prompted me to start something, a website called the Quirky Quad Diaries. And I had a blog um, outlining my travels in China. It's, it's still up called the ChinaQuadDiaries.org. And the Quirky Quad is a blog on sex, sass, and spinal cord injury venture. I thought, let's have a little bit of fun. This was like my seventh or eighth surgery. You never know when you're going to be a goner. I have a very dark sense of humor about life because that's just how I probably survive. Many of us do throughout our day. And I started writing on Facebook at first about my little dating exploits. And somebody mentioned I should start a website and a blog. And I got connected with some um, local and national magazines and I started writing for them. And so I had all this time in bed to finally get to know the SCI community. And from that and being in bed, I had all this time to fight insurance companies. <laughs> it's not fun work. It's quite thankless work. Um, but over the last few years, I've really gained traction partnering with a lot of cool organizations like United Spinal, Christopher Reed Foundation, Push Leading Magazine, Spinalpedia. And I'm trying to create this giant roadmap for folks that have insurance to be like, okay, here's step one, step two, step three in the process of I'm trying to have a seat elevator approved by insurance or a specialized shower chair. Um, just recently today, I was um, last week, I submitted for a piece of exercise equipment that was denied prior authorization, actually, um, just about 30 minutes ago. And I said, okay, let the fight begin, right? You have it's to fight. On. It's on, you know? right? I know it's on. I mean, it's an unjust system and it's not fair and life is not fair and it's an age old thing in history. Right. So you're going to have to fight for what you want. It's not going to be handed to you. And you know what, Ali, I want to I want to go back just a little bit because I mean, <laughs> you, you just like rocked my world with everything that you went through. So I'm going to come back to where we're at right here. But yeah, just to see what you went through and to have that beautiful smile still on your face. I mean, 
I thought I went through a lot when I was injured, but to hear what, what you went through, I mean, surgeries, flying over to China. I mean, we need to do a movie about you. I mean, because this is like just, just incredible. And before we come back to the complex rehab part of it, when you were going through all those things, Allie, what kind of kept you going? What what made you not go into a shell, a shell and be like, you know what? Deuces, I'm out. I'm done. What made you keep going? That's a really good point. The first few first two years were probably two or three years were probably my most challenging. I mean, think about it. You're out of a hospital. You're having bowel accidents, bladder accidents, your spasms all everywhere. I mean, most of us are wearing adult diapers and people don't want to talk about that when we're first injured. But those are just like I'm really open about pretty much every topic. Right. And so people ask me, you know, why I didn't date? I was like, well, I mean, I was like a giant baby um, and I just kept working hard. I woke up every day for the first two years at 420 in the morning. I went to rehab. I had exercise equipment at home. I was so exhausted at the end of the day. I literally didn't have time to think about my personal emotions. Not highly advised. However, it was my compartmentalization was my coping mechanism. Finally, when I got to China and they did the surgery, I had a neck brace on for two months and they wanted to stand me and get me up in the stander where they kind of like push your legs back and forth with um, physical therapists. And at the time, they didn't know that I had really bad osteoporosis. And so I had this neck brace on spinal surgery two weeks earlier. And, you know, I have to comment in China, they don't believe in pain meds. They believe in a suck it up buttercup attitude. Yeah. <laughs> if you show pain, it is total weakness. Yeah. Mercy is and for so the I woke up from spinal surgery with ibuprofen, ibuprofen. And I started screaming and I was intubated and they didn't know what to do with me. I was like this foreigner, you know, that they're showcasing. They didn't want to screw up their surgery. Right. So they tied me down. I guess I just passed out from the pain. So I woke up and my brother was there. And he got them to administer morphine for the first few days. But they don't know how to do that either. So they overdosed me. So the walls were melting and there were spiders coming down. <laughs> I mean, it was like one thing after another. So finally, when they stood me up, they cracked my femur and my tibia, like my knee bone and my shin bone right in half. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have autonomic dysreflexia. You know, my blood pressure is rising. Something's really, really wrong with my body. And they denied it. They took an MRI and they said, oh, no, no, it's an old break. Um, you, We didn't do that to you. We didn't do that to you. So I'm sitting in bed for the next part of four months, healing a broken leg from spinal surgery. That was the moment. It was my tipping point after three and a half years where I decided I couldn't make a sentence. I couldn't smile. I was sweating. I, my blood pressure was high for months on end. And that was a point where I talk about it a lot in my um um, and I write a lot about it on my website that I became very suicidal. And I know it's a topic people like to talk about, but it's a real one, right? And it's okay to feel that way and acknowledge that. And I told my whole family and I'd made a plan. I'm not me. If I'm not me in a year, I don't want to choose to live this way. Fortunately, things abated, you know, and I worked really hard and I meditated and I did a lot of self-hypnosis. But I mean, it's a hard time in life and people think I'm really smiling and I am and I can't really help that because I'm kind of a nut, but, you know, it's important to, you know, <laughs> there are really serious times. I say that still laughing. I can't help yeah. it. It's like <laughs> an addiction. I can't stop smiling. No, but, but you know, but you know what though, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, Ali, just, just spending uh, the brief amount of time that we spent together on the phone before we decided to, to do this interview. And even into now, 
I mean, Ali, I, I can see why ones gravitate to you. I mean, you have this radiant type of personality and and it's folks folks like you that really need to be out there in the forefront in this fight that we have uh, when it comes to 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 the disability community. You know, sometimes we gravitate to ones who are on TV, who are doing all these cool things, dancing in wheelchairs and all these things, which is all great because we give props to everybody in our community that's that's keeping it moving and having the hustle passion. But but ones like yourself, Ali, I mean, this is like this is real life. This is keeping it 100, which you went through and, and just opening up about the suicidal tendencies and the suicidal thoughts. I mean, I went through that too. You know, when I first was in, well, I think we all have, I was like, I was like, I'm ready. I'm done. I'm ready to punch out. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm tired of this. But, but to, but to hear that from yourself, I mean, it, it helps me to see that I wasn't as weird as I thought I was and that, <laughs> that I have company with, uh, with this. So I really, really appreciate you opening up about that. And, and, and Allie, have has your story and i know probably know the answer to this but even before i ask it your story no doubt has inspired ones have anyone reached out to you and said ali because of your story because you went through you helped push me you helped pull me back from the edge have you ever i'm sure you heard that many times well i do work a lot with new quadriplegics who've been injured and i have gotten that and for me so I want to have a large effect nationally. But for me, the point of life generally is if I can help one person, even a week, even if I made them smile, if I help them decide to fight an insurance battle, if I help them get out of bed, literally, that is the huge win for me. I am a huge pay it forward kind of girl. That That's my only motivation. I got it. And I, and I love it too, Allie. Uh, that's amazing. All right. So I'm sure we can spend five hours talking about your incredible yeah. story. Um, and, and I want to do that even more on future episodes. Um, but I want to take you back to where you talked about fighting with the insurance companies, how you needed a, a piece of equipment, piece of exercise equipment right now. And take us now from that point to now, as far as you like, hey, put up your dukes, or I'm sorry, put up our paws because we're going to get up and fight, fight these insurance companies. So, so let, let us know about that story, please, my dear. Well, so my most recent battle was in January. I It's been six years, so I was eligible for a new power wheelchair, but they denied a seat elevator. Um, and for me, when I don't have caregivers around, I can get up to the microwave, I can open my door, I can bring up the my chair level to the bed for a safe level transfer. And um, they approved it five years ago. But the insurance plans look very different five years ago than they do today because I have private insurance. I don't qualify for Medicare and Medicaid. So I make too much money to get Medicare and Medicaid, but not enough to be comfortable. So I'm always in that uncomfortable realm of work harder because, you know, you have to pay your bills kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I work. My family's wonderful, too. And um, so in January, when they denied it, they you have multi, in general with most insurance companies, Medicare is just a little different and Medicaid's a little different. But they all have steps, whether it's one through three or one through six. And they all generally follow the same um, logic. And so you have a first um, appeal where when you were denied prior authorization, they you they convene with your doctor, they'll deny you again. You usually have about two levels, two to three levels of internal appeals with your insurance company before they say, that's it, you're done. We are not classifying your um, seat elevator as an accessory, not medically necessary, which is ridiculous. And I exhausted all my internal appeals with seat elevator in March or April. And I said, okay, you do have more rights. You can contest your insurance company's decision and you can go above their head 
to the Department of Insurance. So I went to the North Carolina Department of Insurance. And you can submit all the paperwork that you submit to your insurance for appeals. And they then will convene an independent counsel to determine if they will overturn your insurance company's decision. I went through this about two years ago, no, three years ago now, for a $30,000 electrical stimulation bike, which most certainly was not in my medical plan benefits. <laughs> and they denied it. And I went to the North Carolina Department of Insurance. It took them, to be fair, almost a year because it's a $30,000 piece of equipment and it wasn't an urgent rush, um, but they approved it. Um, so I thought, all right, let me try my hand again with the seat elevator. But this time I got really pissed off because I'm much more connected with the spinal cord injury community. And on some of my Facebook groups, I was telling people the problems I'm having and they're having the exact same problems. So I said, okay, so I decided made a plan of attack on a Word document. I'm going to reach out to local legislators. That actually didn't yield very great results. And I wrote to 17 different national news organizations. They didn't answer me back, but, and then I called and wrote eight different local investigative reporters here in Raleigh, kept calling the news desk, sent them emails. And finally, somebody called me back from ABC 11 and um, a newspaper we have in North Carolina called the News and Observer. So I got two. And that was just for me being tenacious. I, I have, um, people call me pleasantly persistent. I mean, there are other words for that, but as long as you're really smiley and really kind and you don't raise your voice, you can call somebody every single day to just check up how things are doing <laughs> and they don't find you annoying. And so I kept doing that. And so I got my story out from ABC 11 on the news. It's on my website and the article in the newspaper. And lo and behold, um, maybe seven days after that interview, Blue Cross called me personally and said, we have decided to approve um, our final denial. And I hadn't even been through, I just submitted the documents to go above their head to the North Carolina Department of Insurance. I was like, really? Well, that's interesting. So I guess I must be on their pain in the ass radar. <laughs> you know, so then I made, you know, I, yeah, just, I just want to go I mean, back, I, I just want to go yeah. back, Allie. So, so that's what I'm doing wrong. I need to be really nice on the phone and not, and not kick it up to, to uh, level 11 when they get on my nerve. Right? I just got to say it with a smile and be nice. Is that what, I, is that what I'm going wrong at? If I could spend 10 hours over three days on the phone with AT&T customer service, I know you can do it. And I still smiled. Okay. See, 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 you, you complete me now. You know what I mean? You, you're giving me all this game that I can put into play when I'm having some issues. And I really, really appreciate that. But please, please continue about, about Mr. Blue Cross <laughs> calling you and, and approving that bike. Yeah. So they approved the seat elevator a couple of years early. They approved the bike. So I decided to make quick work. And I wanted to get, I just um, purchased a home with my husband in November and we renovated the bathroom to make it accessible, but I don't actually have a shower chair. I need one of those specialized shower chairs that have a headrest and, um, okay. Plays. Okay. Okay. Allie, you got to hold up now. So you went to, you went to dating to not dating to a husband Fill in that gap before we talk about that shower chair. So when, when did that happen? Oh, my husband is going to hate this story when he hears it. So it, the details are all on my website. But during my online dating experiment prior to my surgery in 2016, my husband was one of my gentleman callers. And my only mission was to explore my sexuality before surgery and to just, you know, write about it. <laughs> and he didn't have a name. I, I kind of labeled my men by wines at the time when I was explaining them on, on my Facebook page. And um, I broke up with all the guys before my surgery made up a reason, said, I'll call you in eight months if I'm around, et cetera. Wait a minute, you and said guys? Like, so, 
So you was a player. Yes, well, you, I, so you was a player from had, Himalaya. <laughs> I only had four months or five, four or five months before my surgery to get in as much experience as I could. Oh, I thought I was. A, I had a schedule. I thought I was a player before I got married. I mean, you you got me beat, guys. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love I, it. It was so much fun. My family thought it was crazy. Half the people thought it was wildly inappropriate. And I said, "Excuse my language." I said, "F it. What, who cares? What if I die on the table? I'm going to be in bed anyway. I might as well have fun memories to keep me going." Half the times I do things in life, it's for the story, just so I can have the story, or a picture, or a video of the story. And so my husband, now husband, was one of my gentleman callers, and I broke up with him and. He said, I really enjoy hanging out with you and spending time and you read and we have similar interests. I said, but so I fessed up why I had to break up with him. I was like, you've just been dating or hanging out with this quadriplegic for a month. I'm now going in for major reconstructive surgery and I'm going to be in like in a bed for the next four or five months again. And he said, that's fine. So he showed up in the ICU with flowers and a teddy bear. And I thought, oh, Shoot, I totally forgot to tell my parents that I have a boyfriend. They're like, who is this guy? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yep, that's that's my boyfriend. You're who? Yep, don't worry about it. Anyway, he kept me wildly amused and he'd come visit me a couple times a week and it would give me something to look forward to, right? And I would, I would put makeup on and get dressed when I was in bed, even though I had tubes and staples and 600 stitches coming out of my body. So um, I figured he was a pretty good guy and, you know, he just, I kept trying to say, okay, it's okay if you go. I get it. It's a lot to date a quad, but a quad that has a pressure sore, I mean, come on. I'm not trying to discriminate against us, but that's a lot for any human being to handle, let alone yourself. Right. right? No, 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 you keep, you keep it at 100. And I appreciate that. Absolutely. I mean, not everybody, you know, a lot of my friends say, well, how did you find your husband? Oh, it must have been so easy for you. Are you kidding me? My first date, I um, was stood up by a fireman and I sat alone outside a coffee shop for an hour. Like this little, you know, fill in the not nice word. And so I called him up and I said, you can't just stand a woman up because I'm so sorry. I got nervous about what? That you're in a wheelchair. That's fine. That's okay. It's not everybody's bag of tricks, mm -hmm. but you don't leave a woman paralyzed and or able-bodied standing up at a coffee shop. I had guys that would come in that would just want to experiment because I was in a wheelchair. That was fine. I was using them right back. No problem. Right. I had some guys that were great for conversation. So there were, you know, everybody ticked their box. You know, I always say generally when I was younger in my twenties, it would take three guys to make up the perfect guy. You've got the guy, the, you know, compassionate, sensitive guy, you've got the attractive sexual guy, and then you've got the handyman home guy. And if you can find all those and squeeze them in one, then you got the perfect one. But you know, in your twenties, it's challenging to do. <laughs> I know. No, no, I love it. I love it, Allie. You know, I, I love the way you're opening up to us because getting getting to know you, you know, is, is truly, truly awesome. And so he so when did you find out or realize that he was the actual one that you wanted to to be married with? And how long from when you had your surgery to you guys got married and how many years have you guys been married? Oh yeah. Well, we've been together now four and a half years and we got married last year. So we were together a good three years. Um, and during the first year of dating, it was really important for me, even though I was healing, I was that I didn't want him to get involved in my care. I wanted to know him from an intimate relationship and I didn't want him to deal with battle or, 
or bladder. You know, I figured if I'm going to be with a guy over a year, eventually he'll probably have to learn that stuff. And I was very open, but obviously I didn't want to teach him my bowel program because, you know, no woman wants to have that with her husband. But after a year, he goes, honey, I, I need to see how you poop. If we can't go on vacation together, he's like, here, baby, I'm going to glove up. I'm like, oh, God, it was a really, really long day. And, you know, of course we have a little, but he, you know, he has his own way of doing things. Right. And then he learned to dress me and then lift me in my chair. And then when I go swimming, he can lift me up. He can do everything. I mean, I would say the biggest thing we fight about from a caregiving perspective is how to straighten my hair. I mean, really, it never ends well for either one of us. And I just want to tell you this, girl, your hair is jamming. So who's ever doing the hair? This is it, my caregiver, Jen, with my hair. Okay, it's looking tight. You know, I'm with that. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, yeah. So, that's, that is and super. So we got, yeah, it took us a while, and I didn't – and I think we were laying in bed. Like, we're not very – get each other flowers or call each other in the day. We're just super independent people, and, you know, I just – I rock it out in the day, and I see my husband at night. He works 12, 14 hours a day, and I think we're like, hey – Maybe we should get married. I think it's time, right? Isn't it like this the appropriate amount of time? And so it was very nonchalant. It wasn't like a big secret or anything. I love it. I love it, Ali. Gosh. I mean, we got we gotta work on a reality show. You know what I mean? You out on the in in the east coast, the south, and me on the west coast. We gotta just kinda like merge it together and have some fun. But that we should do a regular podcast together. That you know would what? be really fun. It'll be called each other. Put the pause up. It's all about the pause, right? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for letting us uh, into your personal life. And let's go back now to that shower chair. Now, you needed that shower chair, the one that had the um, the high head sure. elevator, high, high still, head like, rest, right? Yeah, it, it tilts back, headrest, foot plates. And insurance generally will pay for a regular shower bench or variety. Of if you're a quadriplegic, as you are, you know that you have no body control. You know, you lean too far forward and you're going over. And then you add soap and nakedness into the mix and forget about it. You're on the floor. Everybody's injured. And so I asked a lot of my spinal cord group friends if they've ever had a um, specialized shower chair paid for. And these things range between $25 to $3,500, depending-ish. Um, and nobody had. I mean, I had dozens and dozens of responses. So I figured, let me strike while the iron is hot. So I first step is pre-authorization, where you get an evaluation from your physical therapist. This is for any piece of durable medical equipment, um, wheelchair, shower chair, exercise equipment, anything that's equipment that could be used in your home. That is key. Insurance will deny, deny, deny you if you if it's not in your home. And so I went to my physical therapist, did an evaluation. I have a tendency to write my own letters of medical necessity. And I have trained my physician, who's a lovely man. And so he trusts my judgment. So I just send him what he needs and he just signs over, which is great. And I have an excellent durable medical supplier. It's a small little family run company. And so we submitted everything and I was expecting the fight, the denial, denial and so forth. And to my utter amazement, they um, called me a week later personally and told me that they approved the shower chair. I said, wow, okay. I definitely have a little stickers as pain in the ass in my file. But the challenge was the shower chair is out of network. And I don't know if you know much about in-network and out-of-network. A lot of people in our situation do, but for those listening that don't, if you have um, an insurance plan and they're in-network, that means um, a lot of the services and benefits will be covered 
um, once you meet your deductible or coinsurance, um, if you don't have Medicare or Medicaid. Um, but if you go out of network, that means the out of network providers uh, don't have a contract with your insurance company. So you're left holding tens of thousands of dollars um, at the end of the day if you choose to go with an out of network supplier. The challenge therein lies that most shower chair suppliers are out of network because most insurance companies want to approve shower chairs. So it's like this catch 22 conundrum. And so I politely asked uh, the lady, uh, customer care management, I said, well, that's not going to work. We're going to need to get this put in network. <laughs> Didn't really give her an option. Um, and she called me back a week later and they figured it out and they put it in network for me, which I was honestly, I was a little bit surprised. They shouldn't have done that, but I was very happy they did because I wrote, I also write letters to the president of Blue Cross and Blue Shield, North Carolina certified, and I email them and I explain my case and situation. And then I thought, all right, well, let me keep striking in 2020 since I'm at my out-of-pocket maximum. <laughs> and I, um, last week, I applied for a piece of exercise equipment called the VitaGlide. It's like you strap your hands in and you row back and forth. VitaGlide, V-I-T-A Glide, VitaGlide. It's a cool piece of machinery. They've been, um, they made that, they stopped making them about 10 years ago, and they just started two years ago. They run you around 3,500 bucks. They're not cheap. And so I submitted that under COVID and gym closures and pressure relief and for a lot of um, my muscles that have been ripped from surgery that it's absolutely crucial that this, this piece of equipment is approved, not just for exercise, but it allows me to improve my assisted daily living activities, increase my strength and so forth. And I got a call about an hour ago now from the lady of the cross saying, we've denied you prior authorization stating that um, this is exercise equipment and it's not under medical policy. Um, I said, well, everything else I got approved wasn't under my medical policy either. Um, so I will have to prove the case now. Um, first step is my doctor does a peer-to-peer -peer review, which is not really useful. I mean, they're usually going to say no. Then you get a second round of appeals where you can submit more paperwork, which I will do. And uh, there's an independent medical review board, but they're not really independent. They say they're independent. But if you look at their qualifications, most of the people reviewing your case for insurance don't have any spinal cord injury experience. They don't really know what you need or who you are. Right. So then if I get denied a final time, then I will go above their head and then I am going to make holy high hell in the media. I have a couple of contacts on my back burner that I really, really want to bring out, but I want it to be denied a final time before I, you know, Absolutely. do that. I don't like to cry wolf unless the wolf is there. <laughs> and don't forget, <laughs> you know me now, Cal Southern California media, ABC news affiliate out here, you know, oh, yeah. just let me know. I'll bring I'll bring out the big guns for you. We got your back over here, you know, because it, right. it, it, it is ridiculous when insurance companies play games like this. I mean, it, it frustrates me because look, look at it like this alley. You are a person who really, really, really needs this. Why in the world should you have to fight so doggone hard just to get what you need for your quality of life? And that's why someone like you can help us out to be able to know what steps to take so that we can fight. Because let's face it, whether you're a senior or a person with disability, if you don't know how to play the game, when they give you that denial, you'd be like, oh, well... They denied me, that's it, and then go on with your life. But no, we have to fight for what we need, and I'm glad that you're helping us to do so. Yeah. 
Um, I'm working, I'm partnering with Spinalpedia right now. I don't know if you know Spinalpedia. It's a online giant social network and video library of, of different um, folks with disabilities coming together and um, run by a really cool guy named Josh Basil, who um, uh, is up in DC and is, he's a lawyer over there. And he uh, he's created this really cool organization, works with other organizations and is a huge advocate. And so we're partnering together and I'm creating a space on his website because I've run a nonprofit before. I don't really want to do that again. I'm not going to recreate the wheel unless I have to. So why not piggyback on collaboration with people? Absolutely. Um, so I'm creating this giant website. It's going to be like a big tree where you click where you are in the process. And then you it'll take you to what you need. Patient responsibilities, doctor responsibilities. Here's what a good letter of, letter of medical necessity outline should look like. Take this to your physical therapist. Here are the general reasons why a quadriplegic or paraplegic might need a shower chair, right? So you're not going in blind, essentially. I love it. I, I yeah. love it. I love it. But, and, no, no, go ahead. Please, please continue. Yeah, no, but I mean, the exercise equipment, that's going to be a hard one to win, honestly. And I've known that because they're deeming it as exercise equipment, which is not um, covered under the insurance plan. I'm trying to prove that while, yes, it's technically exercise, it's not for exercise. It's for my medical safety, for transfers and being strong so I don't fall over. I need less caregiving hours and so forth. That's the angle I'm going to approach it from. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Now, Allie, here's the thing that bothers me. Some of these plans now offer gym memberships. A lot of gym memberships are not equipped for quads. You know, Paris can probably use it because they're able to use, you know, uh, certain extremities that we're not. So, you know, we, we left behind. You know, so so we got to we are we are left behind. Right. And I get emails all the time about staying healthy and being well from Blue Cross and Blue Shield. And this is what I need. And they're denying me like what? WTF? See, see, you know, you know, it's crazy. So, you know, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that you're helping and schooling us now Uh, again. It's not going to be easy when we have these fights. Please just reiterate that for us, because sometimes when we're hearing like great advice like this we we're kind of myopic we just hear oh yeah we can win an appeal but tell us we got oh, we got to be in, we got we got, we got to I be mean, in for the long haul right it's not hard like as in you need to study it's just you need really great organization you have to document everything and you are your own best self advocate right so think about it while you like you may like your doctors and first of all my stance on doctors i think they're useful there's some really great ones out there but I grew up with the saying, my dad said, trust, but verify, always verify that they, you get lost in the mix, right? They have so many patients. So how are you going to stand out to them? Well, you have to be pushy and pleasantly persistent and you need, you are the one that has to call and make sure all of the paperwork got in. You can't just trust your durable medical supplier to make sure every signature and every T was dotted. You need to ask for that paperwork first. You need to look it over, make things sure things were filled in properly. And again, just like persistence, persistence. I mean, whether you have a scratch note paper or a Word document or an app on your phone, you need to like literally write down dates. You call people, you email them, keep that documentation. And I know a lot of people aren't that organized and I wish there was a simple solution. And while I'll create a roadmap, it's going to involve effort on people's part if they're going to want to get this equipment approved. It's not going to be done for you. Yeah, and and check this out, Allie. This happened to me um, about a week ago with my DME, my medical supplies. I noticed last month I didn't get my supplies, so I called them. I'm like, hey, I didn't get my supplies. 
They said, well, your customer service rep told you you won't be getting supplies because of the uh, reimbursement from insurance. I said, no one called me. I said, did you guys send me a letter? No. So I'm on the phone and, and the owner of the company is like, sir, calm down. I said, no, 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 no. You need to calm down because I'm trying to tell you what happened. So they just stopped sending me my medical supplies without any documentation of a letter or things like oh that. Gosh. And I'm just happy that, you know, I noticed things like that. So what I did was I contacted my doctor down in Rancho Los Amigos and here in California. I said, yo, I'm getting ready to pound, pound rock, pound sand and kick rocks and go to another DME. So now I'm with another DME because I'm like, this is my health. And for them to do that without even sending me a letter, letting me know, and just saying, basically, we're not going to send you no more. And I'm like, what's up with that? So the frustration out there that we all have, I'm glad we have ones like yourself. Helping us see how we no, can I'm in your spot ourselves. with DME. I just got kicked out last month. My DME what? just said, "Oh, Blue Cross just kicked us out." So I don't actually have anybody right now. I'm actually in, I'm in the market myself. Well, you know what? I got you. I'll let you, I'll let you know my people's and see if and and and, and, I, and I think they think they deliver all fifty states. So That'd they, be cool. So they pretty. You know, cool the too. worst part about it is um, if you're an individual and you don't have a company you're working for. And you have to get health insurance and you don't want to be discriminated against for your disability. You have to go through the um, healthcare marketplace, right? Obamacare. And five years ago, there were three or four insurance companies with three or four plans each. Now, fast forward to, and my maximum amount of pocket five years ago is $1,500. Now, fast forward five years, there's one insurance company with a, not even a PPO plan, a POS. It's like a cross between a PPO and a, a HMO. And you pay $3,000 deductible and $8,100 maximum out of pocket after your $300 deductible plus your premium, what? might I add. So I'm paying about $13,000 a year in health insurance and I don't have a choice. I tried to go to United Healthcare and Sigma and other independent health insurance and they asked me my medical history and I thought that was odd and it didn't realize that if you're not under the Obamacare plans, you can absolutely discriminate against pre-existing conditions. It's ridiculous. It makes me angry, so angry. Now, remember, we have better health care now than we had four years ago. Remember that? We got that, right? What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know, right? It's oh, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And, what are they thinking? Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, folks like like myself and you who have pre-existing conditions and others out there, you know, we, we, we feel the brunt of it. You know, when you when they make changes like that, it doesn't affect like the, 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 I hate to say the normal people out there, but it really, us with pre-existing conditions. Hey, I'm not very, I'm not always PC. So I say normal too, but I get, yeah. but my friends and wheelchairs are like, no, they're able-bodied. I'm like, yeah. I always get, I'm not sure which what word is PC all the time. So I, yeah. I just choose to not I'm not, you know, you know, I, you know, I, I'm just real. You know what I mean? It's like, this, yeah. this is what I speak. If I'm not PC, I'm sorry about that. You know my, you know where my heart is. So that's what I tell my friends. So like you yeah. know, you know I ain't trying to throw shade on nobody. That's what I tell people. So. Well, I only recently realized, like last year, I think it was that hand, handicapped and disabled. I one of them's not incorrect. I only realized that people don't like to be called handicapped. I mean, I, I don't really. I call myself the quad, and some yeah. of my friends are like, "Oh my God, you're more than that." I'm like, I know, but that's part of my identity. It's yeah, it's okay. Don't get offended. That's what I say. If I'm I, not calling you a quad. Yeah, I'm a quad. I'm like, if I ain't got a problem calling myself that, it ain't none of your concern. 
As long as I, I mean, call I made a business that. card. I know. I made a business card called the Quirky Quad, for God's sake. Yeah, no, no. I'm the same way. You know, when I first got into broadcasting, um, you know, I wanted to be relevant. So I used to call myself Paul the Black Guy in a Wheelchair. That, that was just me because ah! when when I got into broadcasting, you know, that's how people knew me. Oh, you know, Paul, yeah, the black guy in a wheelchair. That's why everybody everybody called me. Called no, me that. Yeah. I get that. It's a marketing thing. It rolls off the tongue and people think about it. Yeah, but I'm creating a YouTube channel next week. I'm going to try and I'm trying because I'm doing all this video editing. It's called Shower Talk with Allie and I'm going to be in my shower, you know, and, you know, what do people think about? They're pro- I mean, yes, we're going to talk about sex and all kinds of things, but it's going to talk. It's going to encompass everything. But it's that that it makes you stop and think, you know, like yeah. black guy in a wheelchair. I get it. Yeah, I, I, I definitely hear you. And, and I'm like you. If it offends people out there, I, I'll, I'll make sure I won't, you know, call you that or other people that and things like that. Because you know, I, you know, I, brother got a soft spot for other people, but I don't care if people call me that. That's just, that's just me, you know. But well, I find it's a lot of the disability community that discriminates against each other, oh, right? Yeah. You know, so yeah. I want my channel and I want people that are disabled to find lessons, and I, I'll use my dis- disability as a vehicle. It's about things I talk about, but it by no means it's just for like the disability community. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you on that, and Allie, we can, we can, we can talk uh, another show about that too, because you know, yeah, you know, we we talk about how, you know, different lives matter uh, and everything, and in the world that we live in, but even in the disabled community, there are some prejudices out there. There are some hierarchies when it comes to the disabled community, and it's it, it's real. You know, if, if we want to evoke change with with others out there we have to evoke change within our community our own community of the disabled community uh, because I, I see it you know some people who have different statuses out there they they feel that they are just king king and queen out there and everyone else is their loyal, loyal subjects but you know that's something we got to work on in our community too but i i appreciate your realness I appreciate mm. having you on. I appreciate you. I love you. You're a great host. You're so fun oh, to chat thank with. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So, hey, before we let you go and end our chat, is there anything out there you want to um, give us some more information about, about complex rehab technology or just anything in general that can help guide not only me, but others out there in this journey? Well, I mean, I got into complex rehab technology when I was partnering with United Spinal. They're doing the huge last month with the CRT Awareness Month. So there's so much on United Spinal um, website to look for complex rehab technology, what that means from power wheelchairs, manual wheelchairs with all of those little adjustments that insurance um, is overlooking and they're not considering medically necessary. So I have a lot on my website too, quirkyquad.com. And um, you can follow me next week on my YouTube channel, Shower Talk with Ali. <laughs> and we'll be going through all these battles um, and so forth. But you know, anybody can feel if you go to my website, feel free to reach out to me. I am a, like to help people on an individual basis whenever I can. Allie, I appreciate you. We appreciate you. And before I let you go, let's throw our paws in the air and wave them like we just don't care. And I look forward Woo! to catching up with you, my dear. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll catch you on the flip side. I'll talk to you later. Take care, my dear. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Bye. I don't know about you. But wasn't Ali Ingersoll just just amazing and awesome and raw and real? Really, really enjoyed having her and finding out about her story. Wow. She has been through a lot. And to see her smiling, laughing, I tell you, it's really a testament to 
who she is as a person inside. And I know I learned a lot from her experience, not only when it comes to complex rehab technology, but just life in general. She's an awesome person. And we are so glad here at the United Spinal Association to have, have worked with her and partnered with her. And she is, she is truly, truly, truly awesome. All right. So before we go, we need your help at United Spinal Association. We want to make sure that we ensure wheelchair access to all. And this is where complex rehab technology, or CRT, comes in. Because it includes both power and manual wheelchairs, along with uh, other related components called accessories. So we need you to take action. The way you can do this to make sure that you ensure critical access to power and manual wheelchair components out there Let's go to our website. And when you get there, you'll see your rights. Click on your rights. And then what you can do is you go down and click the button, take action. And when you click on take action, it'll take you to where you can actually take action. And we appreciate any help that you can give to help out this very, very worthy cause. Make sure you go to our website unitedspinal.org to find out how. No, I didn't write those words. <laughs> I'm not that intelligent. But our great team over at the United Spinal Association is. And thank you all so much for tuning in to the United on Wheels podcast. I'm Paul Amadeus Lane. Please stay safe. Stay well. Until next time. Love you all to life. Visit our website, www.unitedspinal.org. Follow United Spinal Association on Facebook. Connect with United Spinal on Twitter via United Spinal. Thanks for listening.